Welcome back to the Oklahoma drill. We are back. Unfortunately, we are back. Uh, we haven't recorded since the season started, did we? I think our last recording was us being like, oh, this is going to go awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is for the sure. best way for a podcast. We're like, the worst handle. it could be is 10 and 2. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. This is absolutely yeah. the best way for this podcast to approach these seasons um, is to just be really, really, really confidently wrong. And then at the end of the season, make no excuses. Um, <laughs> yeah. So this is, of course, the Oklahoma drill. We are going to be talking about Oklahoma football um, as <laughs> sad as that was. Um, but, you know, we're not gonna, we're not going to this isn't a woe is me podcast necessarily. Um, and we're going to start out. Alex has prepared a statement for us. Um, and so we're just going to see Nathan and I don't know, uh, what he's about to say. Uh, so you'll get our live reactions to his, whatever thesis he's gonna, um, sort of introduce to start off this pod. So why don't you, why don't you hit us, Alex? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I did word it as saying that I had a statement prepared and that's not like, I just have like some thoughts that I think like can get us started in this conversation, but immediately um, hedges. he immediately hedges. immediately. Yeah, yeah, of course. The, that's the I way expecting, like the Gettysburg address or something. I had high expectations. <laughs> yeah. Not, not getting that. <laughs> um, so I, I guess my thing with, with this year is, you know, obviously we, we started, you know, everything coming into it was just all sunshine and roses and or sunshine and rainbows. That's the word. That's the words. And we all, you know, like Nathan said, 10 and two is a, at worst, you know, oh, if Dylan Gabriel gets hurt and misses a game or two, maybe nine and three, you know, and, you know, here we are sitting at, at six and six. And I think the, the, one of the main things that I've come to realize and, you know, listening to other people talk about the season is that as fans, you know, the only thing that we can as fans do is like react to the results of what happened. Um, And I think in some situations um, that can be an unfair way to view things, you know, now, Fans, like, let's say if you're a fan of Texas A&M, you're looking at, you know, year five of Jimbo Fisher, you know, they're four and eight or whatever they, five and seven, actually, since LSU laid an egg. Um, You know, I think reacting to results is like totally fine. That makes a ton of sense because there are no excuses for Fisher. There are, you know, everything that is involved with that program, he is responsible for. And when I look at this season for OU, so many of the issues that we've, you know, everyone is complaining about, everybody is talking about are not unique to this season issues. Like the only thing that's been different about this season is the result of the games that we've played. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, there are easy things to point to quarterback play is probably the easiest one. Um, and I think that's okay, but I, I think it's, I think it would be smart to not overreact in, to the results of this season because if you look at the last, not, not just last year, if you look at the last five or six years, OU was living dangerously in terms of the process of what they were putting on the field, right? The results were good. 
you know, 2015 made the playoff, 2016, you know, finished really strong after a slow start. All the years of Lincoln Riley, you know, we had good results up until maybe last year. And, you know, I think that those results were masking a a lot of issues within the program that had to be addressed, right? And, you know, I look at the fact that Brent Venables came into this year and all of the things that he preached, you know, discipline, defense, like the whole mentality change, that that was all, we, we all bought into that because we're like, well, we're not far off because we were, you know, we were winning a ton of games before. But I think what we've learned this year is that in reality, we were probably further away from being a true competitor than we thought we were. You know what I mean? And the things that showed their face this year and were super obvious have been showing for several years. And it was just the fact that this season um, we weren't able to pull off those super close wins. And I think that's something that, you know, obviously moving forward, you know, if we have a Scott Frost situation or I'm going to throw Matt Campbell into that situation because he sucks in close games too. And I also don't like him. Um, then yeah, we can talk about that. But in a year one scenario where you have a first time head coach, you have a relatively inexperienced offensive coordinator, you have a Ted roof defensive coordinator, um, I think that the results of this year, considering those things, shouldn't be that surprising. Obviously, we're all disappointed, and I spent a good portion of this year being completely apathetic and honestly ignoring the football season for the most part. But um, basically, you know, the last couple of weeks, I've kind of gotten back into it, and I just I think that the overall mindset around the fan base right now is not particularly reasonable if I'm just being honest. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree that we live dangerously the last few years and you kind of touched on it. I, obviously there are big, there are flaws with the team this year, right? It's not just on Dylan Gabriel, but if you look at the team, the last few years, the biggest, the absolute biggest difference between this year's team and a few, most of those teams was that spot. They didn't have that guy that could pull them out and just get them over the finish line. And, you know, they would win close games those years with Jalen Hurts or with Caleb Williams last year or whomever, but they were still winning games. But now they've just had a average to below average quarterback and all of a sudden they started losing those games. So I, I think statistically I saw that the S&P, I believe what we saw that, you know, the SP plus rankings were, pretty similar to at least last year's team but what's the difference well you don't have freshman Caleb Williams versus you know Dylan Gabriel that's a big one and then they also had you know some other talent changes but I mean it was the other thing with the team was week to week you didn't know what you were going to get it was the offense would work well one week and then the defense would sputter then the next week would be the opposite there was no consistency anywhere so it's hard to really get better as a group if you can't focus on the thing that you're bad at from week to week. Yeah. It's just well, the whole I, thing is springing leaks. I think that last year was the exact same way, right? You know, we didn't know what we were getting, you know, week to week from the defense and there would be different. I mean, remember last year, like we had 
you know, some NFL guys on that defensive front. Yeah. And, they were and there was good. like, <laughs> there was a two game stretch where we had zero sacks, Yeah, you know, and we weren't even remotely close to putting pressure on them, you know, with those guys. And, another, you know, one of the things that, you know, and I've, I like to shit on Alex Grinch and it's, you know, I think his defense is stupid. Um, and what they're doing out at USC, I think is a unsustainable oh, formula, but worst league in the, yeah, well, yeah, they're playing, <laughs> yeah, they're playing bad teams and they're, they're getting lucky. And I, I think that's fine, but I think it's, it's hard to overstate how bad the recruiting for defense was the last, like since Alex Grinch got to OU, yeah. you know, if you look at the difference makers that were on last year's defense, you know, we'll say oh. Isaiah Thomas, Jalen Redmond. Yeah. They were all Mike Stoops guys. You know, Nick Benito was like literally recruited by Mike Stoops, you know? So like, yes, we shit on Mike Stoops for good reason. He was very ineffective as a defensive coordinator here, but I think it's pretty fair to say he was much better evaluating players um, than Alex Grinch was because who are the guys on this year's team that were like super effective that was like, oh, that's an Alex Grinch guy. Our best defensive players were Deshaun White, which was a Tim Kish slash Mike Stoops guy, and Billy, Billy Bowman, Bowman, who yeah. they totally recruited as an athlete, and they didn't even know he was going to play safety until this well, year. And they were playing him as corner last year, so so yeah, <laughs> right. So I, you know, I think that the the reality of the situation is, if Lincoln Riley had stayed at OU, we would have won more games this year. I feel oh, yeah. fairly confident of that. I mean, I it's not a bold statement. No, yeah, we thinking, would have had Caleb Williams and Mario Williams. Like, right, that's, might, that's, might have like, had the Heisman winner again this year. So. Like yeah. that would that would be like, yeah, we we would win. Like, just like if that combination is good for like two more good deep balls a game, like we're like nine and three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it would have been. We would have had more wins this year, but I think that the problems would be persisting and maybe we just wouldn't notice it as much. So I think in a way that like, you know, this is truly where we were headed as a program, but it was being masked by outstanding quarterback play. And, you know, and I'm here, look, I'm not going to say that Lincoln Riley is a great offensive mind. Like he is, he's a better offensive mind than Jeff Levy. I'm confident saying that. Yeah. Um, And, but that to me is, those are like band-aid fixes, right? Um, And I still have this, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, you can't, you you can't require a Heisman quarterback to just be a good team like every year. That's not sustainable. I know Lincoln's has just an, it's having an insane, like a ability to do that. But still, just long term, that can't be what your program is based around. It's like, we must have the best quarterback to win double digit games like that can't be your model um, right unless i guess maybe if you're the pac-12 I would. <laughs> well i mean you yeah. just like you look at last year and or and the year before you look at 2020 and 2021 and it's like this team with a merely very good quarterback like was like it's so many questions just immediately popped up right it's mm-hmm. just like that that team this team can't make the playoff without the high without the best quarterback in the country. Like that was the situation under Lincoln. Is like yeah. under Spencer Rattler, who I think, by the way, we can say, like having v- viewed 
his time at Oklahoma and South Carolina is like fine. Like yeah, he's like pretty good. He's he's, he's got a yeah. great arm. He always will. Um, well, he's like pretty good. Sure. Yeah. Um, and it's like, um, like it just didn't work at all, right? I mean, it did. They won. They won football games those years, but you know what I mean. Just like not right. a national contender at all. Right. Yeah. And so I mean, to me, like I'm not gonna. I'm kind of over the Lincoln Riley thing. I'm not mad about it. It's it just is what it is. And credits to him for what he's doing this year at USC. Like he has essentially turned USC into one of the good OU teams. You know, they're having those kind of results. You know, if you look at their schedule, yeah, they squeaked by against Oregon State. They squeaked by against Cal. You know, they've done some yeah. of that. They're, they're by Oklahoma the last five years. Yeah, years. that's literally they what they're doing. That's literally what they're doing. I think Caleb Williams is unbelievable. Um mm-hmm. He's one of the, I mean, he's the best quarterback in the country by far. And I think other than Kyler, I think Kyler might be the only quarterback at o, that OU said that I wouldn't, that I would take over Caleb. Um, yeah. And I might have a different opinion after next year. So um, he's doing a great job out there. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that he's funny. not, but yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say like on a national perspective, like if they got matched up with Michigan, I mean, I think Michigan will beat this, like, will hit, hurt them, you know, uh, along the lines and stuff. But Caleb's athletic yeah. enough to really, you know, mess with Michigan for a while. Um, yeah. Georgia, I think, I mean, kill them regardless. Yeah. I think Georgia's the team they can't handle. Right. Um, I'm hoping, I hope they get matched up with them in the first round. I, I want to see them get beat, but like, you know, it, it just kind of is what it is out right. there. And, <laughs> The thing that I guess I just assumed TCU will be the four. But. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's fair. But you know, if they're undefeated, they could be the three. I think they should be the three if they're undefeated. But um, so that's my point is that like I think maybe this year was just kind of a like things reverting to what the, you know, kind of the mean of what they should be, and it's just one of those kind of necessary steps back in order to like change the way we view things because you know if think about the defensive mentality at Oklahoma right for I mean the last several years of Bob Stoops and the entire Lincoln Riley era it was about let's just do enough to win games right and we have an awesome offense that leaves us like well maybe we need to get one stop at the end of a game. And that's all we have to do in order to give ourselves a chance to win. Maybe mm-hmm. we have to force one turnover. And at, you know, this year, that just was not the formula and they weren't used to that. The mentality of the OU program was not used to having that level of responsibility and accountability on the defense. Wow. And I don't view that as a negative for this season. I think that, you know, there were certainly issues, I mean, defensively. Um, but I think in in reality, if I'm being completely honest, I feel better about the defense moving forward than I do the offense for, for this football team. But we can talk about that in a minute. But how do you guys feel about that, that idea of just the, you know, the culture of the defense at OU and what it looked like this year with – with Brent Venables, because I'm I'm sure all of us thought we would get better results this season with Brent Venables than we had, you know. Uh, but h- how do you feel? 
Uh, I think we're also, we saw a shift from um, not only just, you know, praying for a stop was what they were for so long, but um, they're like playing with uh, just the way they play defense. It was because Grinch was so much about hustle and everything, but not really a lot of thinking. And that's like the opposite. <laughs> Obviously Brent wants, you know, maximum effort and all that stuff, but like they always talk about the size of the playbook and uh, how much they game plan and everything like that. It's just a huge like mental change, like the way they prepare and what's expected of them to process on play and play out. So um, just going through all of that, I think there's probably a, a big overhaul of, you know, getting used to that and being able to execute that. And that's probably not something that, especially just the jarring shift of doing zero or like very little of it to a lot of it instead of maybe a more gradual shift. Um, yeah. That's probably, you know, took its toll on them as well. But yeah, I, I, we're moving from a team that's very focused on defense and want from a spread concept wants to run the ball a lot from where we were. And that's just a big change. So it's going to take time. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think there's a, there's a couple things I think about with this. Um, one is just like how long, like when you, when you think about the defensive culture at OU and like how long it's been, cause like even under Mike, like Mike's basic approach to football in his last few years was that offense is impossible to stop. And so you should just try very hard and whatever the outcome is just, you know, you tried, um, not that he was that charitable to his players, um, which is, I think, part of the reason that the situation became so intense. Just multiple. Um, but, um, like, he th- I think back to, like, in 2013, when, like, um, the defense was suddenly, like, pretty good um, after a year where it was really quite bad and we abolished the linebacker as a concept. Um, you had, um, I think it was a quote from, like, Eric Stryker after the Notre Dame game, he was interviewed. Um, and he gave, he gave a quote talking about defense at OU. And he's like, I think the quote was something like, we've got like butt kiss winners and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, so it's, you know, it's like, it's been a while since I think the defense has, at OU has thought of itself as anything other than um, the, bit, the bit of the game that people want to watch less of. Um, and so that that's going to take a lot of time. And it's the sort of thing where, like, I mean, culture is so weird, right? You'd ex- like you'd expect Texas to have worked it out by now, and they haven't, despite all like all of the things that go into making the culture of a program. Um, it's difficult to pin down where that starts to change, but it's something Venables has overseen before, right? It's why it's like when he went to Clemson that was a program that was embarrassed of its defense and eventually it became yeah. its identity. They had um, just gotten embarrassed by West Virginia, but they dropped 70 on them in the orange bowl before we got there. Right. So it's, it's going to be difficult and it's hard to put a timetable on it or guarantee it will be successful. Um, but it's, I, I still have faith that it'll improve. And then I think about the effort stuff um, and it's just, you know, there was a, there was a thing I saw that, um, um, I have, I don't even know if this is 
true so maybe i shouldn't bring this up on the podcast this is just some tweets i saw talking about how like there was like uh like uh a question or something or like it was stutzman where he talked about like i i think this was true because i think teddy layman got like big mad about it on the radio yeah. or something yeah 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 where stutzman talked okay. about how like he got like brent was laying into him about being like one step out of alignment and he thought that was just like so weird and funny and it's like you get you understand the difference in culture and the difference in the understanding of where effort applies here right because right. for brent that's unacceptable because like that mm-hmm. represents like a lack of mastery of the system and of understanding of your role in the defense oh. Whereas, like, if you're one step out of alignment in Alex Grinch's system, that's fine because the whole system is, like, everyone's going to hustle real hard. And if we have to, the defensive end on the opposite side of the play will run over and make the tackle because everybody weighs 180 pounds and can do that. Well, think about Um, how many, like, plays they missed by, like, one step. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's... So that's, 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 I I, th- I do think it's like, it's about cultural reset and it's about understanding like, and this is the other thing I think about with this team is it's just the defense looks so good when there was a clear talent advantage, which is not surprising. Right. But like you look at the defense in those first three games um, and it's clear that like when the line gets pushed and the guys are fast enough to be in position and make plays, this defense works and I think it will continue to work if like if we get the right guys. Right. I think one of the big eye-opening things when I heard this quote, I kind of just, it kind of blew my mind, but it was Deshaun White talking about how this was the first year that he had ever gone in on a Sunday and watched film um, after a game to break down the previous film. And he's like, that was like, no one ever did that. No one ever watched film that they weren't like required to watch in meetings. You know, that was just not something that was part of the program. Um, And that kind of was just like, yeah. So we're going from super easy system, play fast, all that crap to Brent Venables, who not only is his system really, really difficult and complicated, he also has expectations of every player that wants to see the field that they're going to be doing extra film work, that they're going to be doing that work that apparently oh, yeah. nobody was before, you know? And so like that, it, it makes a ton of sense that like, yeah, there were, it looked bad at times, you know? And, um, you know, I, I, I the, the game that just, the TCU game was just like, holy shit, they don't know what they're doing on the football field. There was just bust after bust yeah. after bust, you know? And it, it wasn't necessarily just like, wow, that guy just got beat. It was like, oh, yeah, that guy just didn't know where he was supposed to be on the field, you know? Baylor, yeah. too, I felt was was similar in different ways. It was more of just like they didn't know how to stop the run game against Baylor. And I don't think it was like a just getting your ass pushed around. It was like, oh, they aren't lined up correctly to stop mm-hmm. the run. Yeah. Well, that stuff we should see and get better, like media, just oh, yeah. just from practice reps next year, even if they're not talent, more talented. Well, and I, I think, think there's like a. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, like, I think it's stuff that did get better. Like, I, I, I think the last three games of the year, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, defensively, there weren't many busts. You know, it was mostly like guys are there, 
they just didn't make the tackle, especially against Tech. It's like, I can't tell you, like, Key Lawrence had, like, four different times where he was in the right position to contain the run, and he just didn't make the tackle. Billy Bowman had a horrible game in that regard. You know, like, there were – was like, man, they called the exact right defensive play to stop this run play or whatever, and our guys just didn't make the play, you know, which that's bad. But at the same time, I think it shows an understanding at least – well – they at least knew what they were doing. You know, they at least were like in the right position. Um, I will say that Brent said that on that, on that fourth and seven that uh, tech had, they called a pressure that half the line just didn't run, you know? So the quarterback had all day to throw because half the line didn't do what they were supposed to do. Um, So, I mean, that's, that's bad. That's obviously (laughs) still a thing, but like, you know, that tech well, game, it was not like our right, receiver behind the defense every time. You know, it was like, oh, our defensive ends suck and they can't contain a running back and our safeties can't tackle. You know, that's really what yeah. I saw. I do think there's like an interesting psychological thing of guys that go to play defense for a team that's just hoping to get a stop versus guys that go to play defense for a team that's like focused on the defense, like not even just recruiting rankings. Cause we had highly recruited players coming in, but like the guys that are wired the way that are attracted to whatever they're selling. Um, yeah. That, that are looking for schools that are going to make them do extra film or expect extra film work. Like just that are, that seek that out. I think there's kind of an interesting potential just psychological thing that those people kind of tend to gravitate toward each other. And maybe yeah. a school that is saying, "Oh, you're just required. You just need to do whatever film work's required, and not worry about the rest." And you know, we're hoping to be good enough on defense. You know, might attract people kind of like that. And so, um, I don't know if it's a big thing, but I do, I do think there's maybe a little bit of that. We might see just naturally more uh, savvy uh, players coming through. Just uh, simply with uh, the expectations being different. Right. Well, when I, I look at a guy like like Reggie Grimes, who came to OU, by all accounts, seems like an awesome guy. But, I mean, he was a big recruiting win for us. You know, it's like, oh, he had Alabama offers. He didn't really actually have an Alabama offer, though. Yeah, they like, didn't It's not like he could have <laughs> – he couldn't go to Alabama. If he could have gone to Alabama, he would have gone to Alabama. Yeah. Um, we were like his best second option. Marcus Stripling, similar, right? Like he would have gone to Texas A&M if they had room. You yeah. know, he was a highly rated guy. Actually. We have a ton of those kind of guys on our defense that it's like the rating looks good, but the school that they really wanted to go to wasn't as convinced of the rating mm-hmm. as the the services were, you know? And like, and mm-hmm. we weren't in a position to say, well, we've already got this guy. It was like, no, please, please, please come here, Marcus Stripling. We don't have anyone else, you know? And Trace Ford went to Oklahoma State. (laughs) Yeah, so that's what I mean. Like, with Grinch, the evaluations, like, think about some of the evaluation offers they made. You know, I'm thinking about Noah Arenze, never played a snap, you know? I'm thinking, you know, Jordan Mukes just entered the transfer portal, didn't play a snap. Corey Roberson. Yeah, Tidy Armin. Corey Roberson this year, like, yeah. is 
hasn't suited up for most games. And now he's he was like, I actually like Robertson a lot out of high school. <laughs> but I did too. I did too. But he was another guy that wasn't like just super highly rated. He had some good decent offers and yeah, we he's like a high three we recruited star, him well. Yeah, exactly. But you know, I remember at the time thinking, oh cool, we're making these evaluations because we know what we want. And either through like you know, honestly, a lot of them never did anything under Grinch, Joshua Eaton, another one, you know, and so much of what he was doing was like height, weight, speed, and not, yeah. not a lot of, can they actually play football? Like, oh, we'll teach them yeah. how to play football. And um, I do think like, there's, you know, it's the coach, like when those are the guys you're bringing into the program, like, I think the crucial thing is like, it was like important that those guys produce. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, if they don't want to do anything else, like what's the, like they, there's not a sense of like, Oh, I have to bust my ass. Right. Yeah. Because if I don't, someone else will, and they'll take my spot. Yeah. Um, And so you're left with a coaching staff. That's kind of in the same situation to do a little crossover here um, for our audiences. That's kind of in the situation that like Oklahoma city thunder fans have been in the past couple of years where they're like looking at Isaiah Roby and being like, is this an NBA guy? Like, he seems like he can do it, you know, and it's like, no, he just like he's out there because you have to have 15 players on a basketball team. Right. Like, yeah. And he he has some like skills that you're like, okay, you maybe can see it. But and it's like, in reality, if this was a real championship team, he wouldn't be playing. And it's like, right. That's the real. That's the reality of like a lot of these guys who the defense depended on these Right. This past uh, decade. Well, yeah. and think about a guy like Danny Stutzman, who, you know, we talked about him earlier, kind of laughing off the the detail oriented nature of, of Venables. But think about him like he comes in. He was an underrated three star guy. He was one of those evaluated players. And as a true freshman, he's like one of our best linebackers because everyone yeah. else sucks. But he like was seeing the field a ton and everybody loved him because, Oh, he was, he's pretty athletic. He wasn't six foot, 200 pounds. You know, he's a big guy for the position um, relative to the other players we've had playing there. And so that was his first year. And so things are going well for him. You know, then Brett Venables comes in and it's like, I mean, I remember, He's I remember Stutzman saying something along the lines of Venables coming up to him is like, hey, are you going to watch film like you ever Mm going to do that? Because like Venables could tell just by watching the way Stutzman played that he didn't watch film and didn't prepare the way he needed to, you know, and like that's the kind of stuff like I think we overlooked in that going from that system of defense to Brent Venables it could not be a worse fit of player with system. It's just, yeah. It's the complete opposites of each other. So yeah, hundred percent. And I think we, we overlook that. So like, you know, we talk about, you know, I, one of the things I've heard a lot is that like, Oh, the talent on this OU team was too good for them to have the kind of season um, that they had. And I just, I'm not sure I agree with that because We're I think a lot of, <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of the talent that people were looking at was like, just like just the recruiting stars, yeah. you know, they were looking at the Reggie Grimes types as like, Oh, those guys are super talented. And it's like, well, 
they've never really done anything on the football field that makes me think that they're talented. Clayton yeah. Smith is another one. You know, he's a five-star coming out of high school. You know, he never showed a single thing on the football yeah, field. You, not once. You know, so what's the like, biggest play? Of, I can't even think of a big play of Clayton Smith's career. Like, didn't he like recover a fumble last maybe, year? Maybe I he. Re- I think he might have recovered a fumble in the Tulane game last year. Oh. That's like the highlight of his OU career. I tried to block you know? that game out. So, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, of course. So, I mean, this is like you know the positive outlook that like everything that we're saying would lead you know you to believe that things will get better um uh, the further removed that we are and i i think that's true i just think that it's one of those things that it's like yeah that's that's why we had this kind of season and not the 10 and 2 11 and 1 like if you had asked me coming into the year more likely for OU to win a playoff game or go six and six, I would have said it's more likely OU wins a playoff game. Oh, absolutely. Flat yeah. out wrong. But yeah. part of that for me, and I, I don't know about you all, because I know it before, like whenever the last time we talked, um, we talked about like how good did we think Dylan Gabriel would be? And most of us said it, he'd be fine. Like he was worse than I thought he was going to be. So like I expected decent to, you know, you know, fine. And I would say he was like below that. Um, yeah. And I would, I was not prepared for the accuracy problems. I think that was the main thing that surprised me. I thought he was, I thought he, I, I had seen his completion percentage at UCF and I thought it's because they took a lot of deep shots and that's why it was a little lower, but no, he, it wasn't just that. Um, and I, I was unprepared for it, I guess, mentally. Yeah. And there was a degree to which like, I have sort of like I, I feel like I had in preparing for Dylan Gabriel kind of overcorrected from where I have been because after Baker and Kyler, I was like, you know, I'm not a fair evaluator of quarterback talent anymore. <laughs> I, I was just like, I just watched these guys hit every deep shot they tried for two yeah. straight years. <laughs> so, you know what? I need to lessen up and it's probably going to be fine. It's like, no, it's like he's like comparing him to like Jalen Hurts was a guy who I thought was inexcusably bad on the deep ball. Like, and it's just like, no, not, no, that's, that's not really the case. He's, he is worse than that. Like it's actually bad and inconsistent in his ability to throw the football. Yeah. I, I think the thing for me with Gabriel, there's two things with Gabriel that drive me insane. And it's, I think his limitations almost entirely, and I will say that I hope this is because of his limitations that this is the case, but he all, like the middle of the field was just not an yeah. asset to us at all this year. You know, right. we talked, you know, we heard how great Braden Willis was going to be this year, but if you got, if you can't throw the ball to the middle of the field, your tight end's not going to put up big numbers. Right. And Braden Willis didn't, you know what I mean? And I think Braden Willis could have, I think he could have had a really great season. Um, but you know, whether it was the height, the vision, or it was, I think just it was like, more vision I mean, the, than height, honestly, because height, vision, yeah, quarterbacks vision. that are six foot that can do that. So, right. Absolutely. I mean, and maybe he just doesn't have the knack for like being able to find those windows yeah. and that's, that's okay. Um, but it's a huge limitation. And then the other thing that drove me insane is that like, I can't like, I can't, not remember those that two game stretch where we were like two for 26 or whatever on third yeah. downs and we couldn't convert fourth downs at all 
And to me, those downs are, those are quarterback downs, you know, like there's only so much you can do on those downs. If your quarterback can't either see the field or he can't make an accurate pass. Think about that Kansas state game, the play that will just, that just sticks out to me. is like the most, the play that drives me the most insane this entire season. It was like a five yard out route to Drake Stoops was wide open and Gabriel just missed him. You know, like that's not deep ball accuracy. That's like throw the well, ball that's to a wide open guy on a five yard out. He did that all the time. Like he had missed yeah. what were gimmies for, you know, years for the other quarterbacks we had had. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. You know, swing and passes, like, like routinely, yeah. routinely messing up swing passes. Well, how many like, like, like it's been like 20 years since Mike Leach established the swing passes, like an extension of the running game. It's supposed yeah, yeah. to be automatic. Right. Well, how many well set up screen plays did our quarterbacks just shit away this year? You know what I mean? <laughs> a lot. Like yeah. you've got the Nebraska game that sticks out. There were a lot that Davis Bevel missed. I mean, Davis Bevel's the worst quarterback wow. that's ever taken a snap for OU. But I don't I not not to completely just uh interrupt you there, but I I I legitimately think that's that's true. Like I, Cody I, I can't says a silent prayer of things. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, I, Cody Thomas would have been a blessing to have yeah, on Cody the Thomas this is year. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like it would have been amazing to have a Cody Thomas off the bench this year, but um, yeah, like those screenplays, it's like, wow, like those are well set up plays and, you know, people like to talk about Levy and I, I have issues with Levy too, but those are things that are just not under his control, you know, and you can say, well, like, well, he knows that his quarterback has limitations, yeah. so he should avoid those. And I'm like, no quarterback has the limitation of not being able to complete a screen pass. Like, <laughs> yeah. that is the most basic thing a quarterback needs to be able to do. Right. And it's like, it's fr- it's because we're talking about the Big 12 newcomer of the year, um, which is so weird. But um, it's just like, you know. So this is a guy who can do things, right? He's able to make plays, like, occasionally. So it's like, 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 how do you scheme around the fact that just, like, you know, 30% of your plays, no matter what they are, will fail? Um, That is is where I'm I'm willing to give Levy some leeway in terms of, like, the offense's failures is, like, your quarterback has to – there has to be something your quarterback can do every time right before you can say like, okay, scheme around his limitations. Um, because I think like if you, if you, if Levy reduced the offense to like only sure things, like we'd be running the single wing. Yeah. <laughs> Let's run the veer. Let's do it. Right. Yeah. And I don't, you know, trust I, Le- think... I don't trust Gabriel to pitch the ball that much, honestly. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Can't make like that. The, pitch the offensive newcomer thing is like, I think that's a product of the system, you know, like this is a volume system. We ran a ton of plays. So yeah, of course the quarterback that plays in that system is going to put up a lot of numbers. Like that's okay. Um, I, to me, it reminds me of like those situations where you're like watching the Houston Rockets and, you know, it's like, Oh, this dude's averaging 20 points a game. And I'm like, Harold be in the Heisman race. Right. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Like it just like, 
it doesn't, I don't care about the big 12 newcomer of the year. I know, like, I know that I am biased and I have been ruined for quarterback play, but you can't convince me that Dylan Gabriel is this really good quarterback. And we've just been watching the best quarterbacks in the country. No, no Dylan Gabriel is like completely average at best. Now I do. I do think him. there's a degree to which like, I do kind of think Jeff Levy hates his quarterbacks and wants them to die. Um, and yeah. I think that affects you across a season. But yeah. are we sure the language barrier didn't play a part? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I enjoy, I enjoy the the occasional the references that, that Nathan makes. I heard the can't make the pitch. The, the, oh, yeah. the Titans reference. I heard that. <laughs> I heard that. So, um, yeah. So that's that's my thing. Like, I, I do want to see. Like if I had my choice, I don't like the Levy offense. I don't like the scheme of it. I think there is a lot of gimmickiness to it. I'd like it. it better if we had Hendon Hooker, but you know. Right. But <laughs> I do want to see what happens when we have like we need a true running threat at quarterback. Jackson Arnold is that. Um we need a better we need a better quarterback to see what the system is. Yeah. Um and I think that, you know, even Gabriel in another year. Gabriel's probably going to be better next year. You know what I mean? Like just from a natural development, like I'm not saying he's going to be a different quarterback. I'm still going to have many frustrations with him, but he's also like, he's probably not going to have as bad a season as he is this year. You know what I mean? I'm predicting a Joe Burrow ascendance. Oh, there you go. Yeah. (laughs) That's that is. Yeah. All for it. Um, I do think like, Dipping our toes a little bit into levy criticism here. Um, I'm sure. gonna use I'm gonna use the dreaded phrase here. Um, so like you had mentioned it, this is gimmicky, uh, and I'm all for gimmicky bullshit personally. Um, but like a part of that is like an understanding that like when you're replacing Lincoln Riley, like there's like a million guys who can run gimmicky bullshit. Um, so at the very least, we should run complimentary gimmicky bullshit and that i think is the biggest criticism that can be laid at levy's feet this year (laughs) yeah and so my only thing with that is i've heard so much criticism for levy and the tempo stuff and i get it i understand why it's frustrating to like oh we just ran 30 seconds off the clock i get that um but the reality of the situation is that tempo is so necessary in this offense because it is a relatively like kind of simplified offense. So if you're not playing fast and kind of trying to catch the defense off guard, I don't know if you can out scheme the defense without having that advantage. And, and in reality, you know, second half of the OSU game, like if we play slower and we're still going three and out, people are still going to be really pissed. You know what I mean? And you know what people are going to say if we play slow and we go three and out every possession? Well, why'd you give up on the tempo? That's what people are going to say. I get that. And that is, to me, why I always look at the execution of of how things actually went over play calling and tempo decisions when it comes to play, you know, offensive coordinators. Because every fan base, this is, this is what I was talking about where – fans only react to results. They don't react to, cause they don't have enough information 
to react to the process of what's actually going into what's happening, happening on the field. And mm-hmm. um, so again, like, yes, there are problems with the tempo. And I do think we need to be able to change tempos effectively, but maybe this offense was literally not capable of doing that at a high level yeah. at all, you know, and just having the assumption. And I've heard this, there was a there was a podcast I listened to and it like, I can't imagine if you're listening to this OU podcast every week, you would just, you would lose your mind and not ever want to watch football again. It was so negative, but like there was just this operating assumption that they had that, Oh, if they would just take their time, that everything would be great. You know, they would call the perfect play on fourth and one, you know, and I'm like, actually not true. (laughs) We don't know that. We don't know that at all. So like saying that, like, just operating under the assumption that this offense would have been better if they had just taken their time and, you know, get into something that works. Like, what does that even mean? You don't know what, first of all, you don't know what that means when you say that as a fan. And then second of all, like it just, again, like you don't have enough information about what is happening. What is this offense just not well as, are they not a well enough oiled machine to be able to function if the defense is able to look at everything and then adjust, you know, on the field, do we have is what role does tempo play in just being a functioning offense? We don't know that. I think it's entirely possible that it was an extremely important factor in this offense being functional, you know, and that's a problem. I I understand that criticism. If it's a team designed to go slow, that is having to go fast in a situation, right? That's mm-hmm. when you can say, oh, the tempo was affecting the execution. But this offense is designed to go fast. So they right. would be practicing at tempo. So this shouldn't yeah. be affecting their execution. And really, yeah. if you look at the execution, like like Dylan Gabriel played sloppily. Like, but it like this our errors on offense weren't defined by like missed blocks or like wrong routes. You know, I I mean our offensive line committed a lot of fucking false starts but yeah yeah well Well, and like think about like texas tech um this past game we had the false start because anton harrison just wasn't in a stance at the snap because we were playing really fast and we walked into the end zone and so people are like well if you snap the ball five seconds later Anton Harrison set you walk into the end zone. I'm like, how do you know that the fact that we snapped the ball so fast isn't the reason that it was a walk-in touchdown? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the defense obviously was confused and didn't have a chance to adjust. It's on it's not on Levy for running really fast at that. It's on Anton Harrison for not being set. Like, get in your offensive stance. That's how we play every freaking snap, you know? And so like those are the kind of criticisms that I do not like when it comes to Levy because you do not have enough information to like be able to credibly criticize Jeff Levy in those situations. I think the overall philosophical things with the offense, I'm perfectly willing um, to criticize. Absolutely. I am. But those little execution things, I, I think it's bullshit. And it's just the same shit as like when last year the offense wasn't working with Lincoln and people were shitting all over Lincoln's play calling. And I'm like, 
dude, you're fucking commenting about Lincoln Riley's play calling. Like he doesn't know what he's doing. Like you don't have enough information. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. All that said, how about we uh, run the ball on first down a little bit? Am I right, fellas? Yeah. That play and, you can run the ball. Yeah. Like the what? Like one thing I'll say offensively, and I think this could also go in be a credit to Levy and the scheme is that Eric Gray had an amazing year. You know, um, he had over 1300 yards. I think it was a top 10 season in OU running back history. Really great. Good for, good for Eric Gray. Our so offensive line was not, yeah, right. Right. <laughs> Our offensive line was not a physical unit. You know, when it came down to those fourth and one, fourth and twos, third and twos, they weren't pushing people around. You know, McCabe Mattower was not physical. Andrew Graham's not overly physical. Chris Murray's physically limited. You know, he's a short dude. There were a lot of issues up front um, in terms of when it came to like, okay, we have to get this yard. Very often we couldn't do it. And so I think that that like, that's an issue. We need our offensive line to be more physical. We need to be better there. But I also think that that's a credit that even with that being said, we were still a really good running team in situations where the other team wasn't like, okay, they're definitely running here. You know what yeah. I mean? And I think that that is, how could that not be, how could tempo not be a, a thing that played a role in that? It definitely did, you know? Um, and I hate it. Like, you know, our friend Sam, Sam and I got in a pretty big argument during the last game about Levy. And I hate that I'm like this levy defender now um but I, I just i don't like the types of criticisms he's getting as much as like i just think it's unfair to him is all i'm saying I we still shouldn't have hired him by the way yeah don't I, I still don't like i want to go kind of back to the scheme because the scheme thing to me still it feels very much like the offensive equivalent of like what grinch was doing where yeah. it's so much about just we're going to go fast. We're going to try hard and not like, I think it's good to a point. And then, and this, I this is probably a little bit bullshit because Tennessee beat Bama this year with it, but it's also not the Bama team we thought they were going to be. Um, right. I think when you get to that truly upper echelon, it's going to kind of fall apart on you. A little. And yeah. it's, it's a bit of a gimmick. And yeah. I'm a little surprised that, Venables went with it. Um, yep. I'm sure it's because he thought it's he thinks it's hard to stop, which I'm sure it is. But um, I don't know. It it's what not, it wouldn't say, have been my choice for offensive scheme to go with uh, moving forward. So. I 100% agree. I think you need like I would like to see it. I mean, first of all, this is an offense that it's not like this Tennessee team was the first team to give Alabama problems with it. Like no. Ole Miss has been giving out just recent bias years. Why I right. Yeah, absolutely. I get that. Yeah. Arkansas has given Alabama problems with it. Like, and that's Alabama. Now, Georgia is a different animal. No one has really given Georgia problems, no matter what system they're running yeah. um, offensively, other than Alabama, because they're freaking Alabama. You know, they had the Heisman winner and first round draft picks at, at receiver last year. You know, that's like the only team in the last two years that's given Georgia problems, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, the we need to see the system with a with a running threat, you know, because 
I don't think Matt Corral was that good. And that dude put up some big ass numbers and they were super effective at Ole Miss yeah. um, with it. I think it, it really is necessary to have a running threat at quarterback, mm-hmm. you know, and I think we're probably going to deal next year with a lot of the same problems. Hopefully Gabriel can at least, you know, complete some fucking screen passes. That'd be cool. <laughs> um, and just maybe clean up a little bit of the inaccuracy problems. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think that, yeah, go ahead. I think they should throw a bag of Jalen Daniels at Kansas. That's just, Oh, uh, that'd be great. <laughs> that would be fantastic. You know what I mean? Because it's like, he's right there. He's the perfect one. So yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Like, so I, I don't know. Like I personally, like, like I said earlier, defensively, I, we just, it's probably going to work eventually. You know what I mean? Eventually. I, I don't think it will be next year. Well, I guess it defi- we had to define what work means. Will they be better right. next year? I think so. Even though I don't think the talent will be that much demonstrably better just because right. it's going to be pretty young. Yeah. I think like just as a unit, it'll be better. But if we're talking like elite, I think that's still like at least two more seasons away. Like Agreed. I think it's going to be a bit just because we're so far behind on defensive line. Like all of our defensive linemen either aren't that good or are small. And that just takes right. a while to, to yeah. re- replenish. So let me ask you this, both of you, like, you know, we've heard some rumors about some things that might be coming down, you know, hopefully as, as changes, but like what, what are you hoping to see in terms of, and this is not recruiting related, but like just from a, like how things operate standpoint, what would you like to see? You know, is it tempo changes offensively, you know, coaching changes, whatever, how, how do we need to proceed in your opinion to, you know, hopefully fix some of the issues that were very obvious this year? Oh, I don't know. That's a hard one because it's it yeah, still a small sample size. Um, I would be surprised. I mean, I personally look is roof fun or funny just because like, just, you know, <laughs> just as a person. Yeah. A little bit. Um, I, I don't know how you can really, what does he really bring outside of, you know, the, Oh, he's a great teacher kind of thing. I don't know. I would be looking for somebody that's younger, uh, has proven recent defensive coordinator credits, you know, gives you more of a recruiting edge. That would be the move I would make. Um, okay. Can I, let me ask you this way. Like how involved do you want Brent Venables with the defense? Because the rumor, like I would, the rumor is that Venables flat out just took over the defense midway yeah. through the season. So my answer to that would be, I would prefer him not to be, like the defensive coordinator, but I want him to like to be on like the saving level of involvement where it's still like his baby kind of, but he's not running it day to day. So, okay. Yeah. And I I think in order for that to happen, you'd have to make an outside hire in my opinion. Um, I mean, maybe Brandon Hall because Brandon Hall has been with Brent a ton and he has defensive coordinator experience, but still. Like a not, not awesome defensive coordinator at Troy, like, Right, exactly. I would, it like, wouldn't be what I would be – it wouldn't get me very excited. So, And so, I don't think we have to absolutely unequivocally run Brent's scheme. Like, I don't know why we have – I get that that's why he got hired here, 
And I think his any defense he brings in, like it would have flavors of his stuff, but I don't think it has to be like purely his defense, like bring well, in outside I, things and incorporate, you know. Honestly, I think we're headed towards a three-man front, you know, based on the way that we're recruiting D linemen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> based on the way we're recruiting, I guess. Yeah. When we're recruiting edge guys. I think that's what we're headed for. You know, we're always going to have some multiple things where we run some four-man fronts and some matchups. Yeah. But I think I think Venable sees and the best defenses in the country, most of them run three-man fronts. That's well, just the reality. The best They're defenses right. in the country can get 330-pound nose tackles. Right. I was going to say the be best backwards. defenses in the country have NFL noses. <laughs> so that's yeah, the, that's the the uh, the problem we face is we don't have a lot of those within a two hour driving distance. I, no. I will say that like the thing I want to see out of this team ultimately is, I mean, on a related note, um, like I, I, I want this to like, this team should be able to lean on everybody else in this conference and they'll fall and they fall over. And I, I want to see um, a team that's built in recognition of that. And that intends yeah. to make that a central part of its identity on both sides of the ball. Um, yeah. And that takes time. Um, yeah. it shouldn't take as much time as on defense as it should or like it shouldn't take as much time on offense as it should on defense. Like that's the sort of thing where it's like the like levy run the fucking ball thing is like there's a degree well, to which it's real. I actually like the offensive line isn't as good as it has been in the past. And obviously. to that point, I'm ready for an offensive line that doesn't take a half a season to start being, you know, at least serviceable. Like I love beating Bo, but he's been coasting off to Joe Moore for a few years now and it's we need to ramp it up here a little bit. They they did they did better the second half of the year, but it, it's still yeah. a notch below where we're hoping for. I think they were I think they were operating at a relatively high level by Texas. We just didn't we weren't able to see everything around them was bad. <laughs> so yeah. I mean Gabriel, like we were not a functioning offense without Dylan Gabriel playing quarterback. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so that's, like that's a very good point. No matter how we could have had, you know, the nineties Cowboys offensive line out there and Davis Bevel was still our quarterback. So yeah. Right. You know, and like, you know, we've spent an entire offseason this past offseason talking about how bad Benny Wiley was and how bad the, the physicality of the team was, that's not going to change in one year, you know, and especially, you know, the interior talent on this offensive line, I just think was not very good. I mean, Matower, Matower is not a talented player. Rame is okay, but he's not physical. And Murray was – he's just like 6'2", or he's 6'1", yeah. you know, like – You put Murray into Matower's body or into Rain's body. That, yeah. That's a player, so. Like, I think that there's we're, – we're replacing four offensive linemen next year, but the talent should be better next yeah. year. Yeah. You know So, what I mean? next year it'll and, be like – let's think about this, like, right off the top, off the bat. It'll be Rain, right? Uh, yeah. Sexton, probably at right tackle – Guyton at left tackle. Question, question. Don't you think they might keep Guyton at right since Gabriel's lefty? So who plays left tackle? Sexton. That would be interesting. I don't know. I, maybe. Um, but those will probably be, be the tackles. Those right? are the tackles, yeah. And then yeah. Jake Taylor at probably like right guard. And, and who's left hopefully guard? Hopefully Savion Bird at left guard. Oh, yeah. Guard. I forget. Forgot he existed. 
Matower's so... probably back. Matower's probably back. I hope he gets beat out. Like I really, yeah. really hope he gets beat out. Um, well, honestly, if that's the case, uh, maybe Bird will kick out to tackle. Bird maybe. plays tackle. Yeah, I mean, I think that's totally possible too. But I mean, Guyton, Bird, Taylor, and Sexton; those are all like relatively high four-star players. Guyton wasn't, but he's he's super talented. Like, I mean, people—the things you hear people say about Tyler Guyton, like Gabe Eichert is like as critical of offensive linemen as anyone, and he's like. This kid could be a first round pick next year if he puts it together. You know what I well, mean? He has that kind of potential. Part. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and combine all of that with like another year removed from the previous strength staff, because I don't think there's any doubt we saw improvements from a physicality yeah. standpoint. They were better this year than they were last year. There's no doubt. I mean, Anton Harrison was night and day, yeah. you know? And I mean, Anton Harrison has a chance to be a first round pick. You know, and which I didn't realize that till like late in the year that he was getting. I didn't <laughs> so I same, same. But th- those are the kind of things like next year, I think we should be there will be an adjustment period. But realistically, we don't have a tough non-conference. Hopefully by the conference play, our offensive line starting to gel. Because even in 2018, you know, the Joe Mora offensive line, it didn't really gel until Texas, you know. Yeah, they, that's how it's been like every year with him. We've never really had one that just took off from the jump. So. 2017, because we had all five starters back, is the only one. Yeah. I do wonder, because, I mean, because such a thing about beating Bo is his willingness to just like try people in places, right? And I do wonder yeah. if that limits like chemistry building for a while I until things get settled. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to have Rain playing center back because center is an important position um in terms of pe- things meshing well like he's a re- and him being in his he's gonna be a third year starter next year you know like wow. it should be a really big year for andrew rain next year you know like if he can put on the strength that he needs to and i'm not he's not going to be creed humphrey you know in that regard but like if he can just get enough strength i think it he could have a really great season and things might come together. I mean, Guyton has a lot of experience. He played a lot this year, you know, um, if Matower's there and they beat him out, that means somebody's playing better than him, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm optimistic about the offensive line for next season and, and the run game overall. Um, and I just think that like the reason Levy a- was hired do what? I was just going to say, I think they need a transfer running back if they can get one. I tend to agree. I, I do think Barnes is good, but I think they need a, a guy that can at least push him. Um, but I mean, Levy was hired, like, I think truly to come in and run a really physical offense, you yeah. know, and a run first, a run first physical offense. That's why Brent hired him, you know? Um, Should have gotten and, Yeah. Yeah. But, but like, uh, th- and this is this is like why I'm okay with the with the gimmicky high school bullshit spread stuff is because I think at the end of the day the goal is for that to be annoying enough that defenses are just left staring down the barrel of not being able to stack the box against a monster offensive line like that's yeah. what like Alabama teams of yore accepting this weird bad one this year. I say bad like that. Yeah. 
you know, like they might do not still be in the playoff. Who knows? Um, but like that, that's like, that was the moment everyone was like, ah, crap. <laughs> right. Was when yeah. like Kiffin and Sark, et cetera, brought these concepts to Alabama. And now it's yeah. like, well, now they have a huge talent advantage and they're doing bullshit. Like that's, that's what Oklahoma should try and be. Um, yeah. And, you know, we'll see what, it looks like in the sec when there's not a massive talent advantage, but as long as we're going to be in this stupid conference, like it should be a problem in the trenches every week for the other team. Right. Well, and you know, I think when you're in the sec and you're, you don't have a massive talent advantage, which we won't against the best teams in the sec, like having that gimmicky bullshit to kind of go back to is really important. You know, you don't want to be this, non-creative offense you know because you're not going to be you, you can't play like kentucky plays and beat georgia i'm just going to start saying georgia now instead of bama you know because something weirds something weirds going on at bama man because they were supposed to be like death star this year and this was their mm-hmm. worst team probably since like 2010 you know like yeah something's weird and they had a heisman quarterback that's the weirdest part to me they have all like, their wide receivers just vacated the building. They, they all sucked. Yeah. Like the O-line couldn't protect Bryce Young at times. Like that that was a weird year for them. Like they were they lost two games, but it easily could have been more. Um and I that's just not what yeah, you should have lost to Texas. That, if Bryce Young hadn't oh, worn yeah. down his ass, he would have we should have lost yeah. to Texas. Yeah. Bryce Young to me is like easily the second best quarterback in the country. Yeah, like, which I would, which obviously I thought he was a good player last year. I thought he's a little overhyped this year. I actually think he's like better than he was last year, but yeah, his team was worse. So, right. And like that's just something. So, I'm Georgia is that now, you know, mm-hmm. like Stetson Bennett looks like a world beater there because everyone around him is just freaking awesome. Yeah. You know, they lost all of those guys defensively last year to the draft and they're still freaking awesome on defense. So uh, it's just like recruiting does for you. I know. I know. And one thing too, that I is a little bit encouraging to me is that Clemson's defense was like majorly disappointing this year. Um, I didn't get their first year without Brent. Yeah. Like I was, I saw a thing the other day was a tweet that was talking about like where they ranked in the ACC was where they expected to rank in the country. Like they were top five in the ACC, but it was like, Oh wow. Yeah. They weren't the best defense at all in the ACC. Um, And that the guy tweeting, it was like, yeah, those were supposed to be rankings in the country, not the conference. Yeah. Cause if you looked at like their front seven, it was just stupid on paper. Um, Yes, it was, it was. And I think that's another team Clemson. I'm a little – I mean, I'm not concerned because I want them to be bad. But, like, if I were a Clemson fan, mm. I'd be concerned about what Dabo's doing. It feels that like offense, Bob circa, like, 2010 to me. Like <laughs> Maybe maybe worse. Yeah. yeah. It's, but I'm saying he's he's at the point where he's starting. You can yeah, see it on yeah. the other – it's at the top of the uh, – he's crusting on the roller coaster, and he can see – he's looking down. So Right. Well, to me, the the biggest problem was when they lost both coordinators last year mm-hmm. and he hired from within. Both like, times, that yeah. is <laughs> alarming if I'm a Clemson fan. Again, you Bob, know? yeah, that's what I would. Yeah, that's fair. That's totally true. 
totally true. So maybe that's what they're headed for. Um, yeah. Wow. And in Bob, five I'm years he will hire Garrett Riley as the offensive coordinator. Wow. Well, Garrett yeah. Garrett's going to be a head coach before long, man. Yeah. Like he's doing well. He's doing well. Yeah. All right. Do we? Is there anything else we want to talk about? Like, we're, I don't want to talk about recruiting. Like, it is, but it's going well. You know, like that's good. So that's you know that that's the only thing that you need to know at this point, right? Is like this season didn't kill recruiting, so it's going to be fine. Yeah, we lost like two guys. I think that's pretty good. All things considered. Yeah, yeah. One of them was a guy we were probably going to. We were not going to get Vasic. You know, he was going to go to Texas. That's fine. As soon as they showed that they were somewhat competent, he wasn't. He was going to Texas. But cool. Well, this was a therapy session. That yeah, I feel, the, I feel the, good, way more you know? positive than a therapy session podcast is supposed yo, to be. Yo, if we had done this three weeks ago, I would have been like, just stop watching OU football. It's dead. We died. <laughs> when we you know what I mean? Like things have things have changed for me, I know, in the last three weeks, but you know, so yeah. Um, so I just like broad takeaways. Um, this season sucked, of course it did. Um, but this team wasn't like there's a lot of evidence to suggest this team really wasn't that much worse than last year's team. And the difference is basically that we didn't have a Heisman contending quarterback um to make plays in desperate moments. Um and there's reason to believe that this team will be better next year. Um, Heisman so... contender Dylan Gabriel. <laughs> no, that's not that's not true. I don't I don't I don't claim that. Oh. But yeah, so that's that's where we're at. Um, don't lose hope. Um, recruiting will fix a lot of this stuff. Getting set into scheme will fix a lot of this stuff. Replacing Ted Roof, if that happens, I don't think anybody would be upset about it. It's kind of, I mean, immediate, after that hire was announced, there was a lot of people who were like, oh, this is a guy getting hired to get fired. Yeah. Um, which, you know, is an uncharitable uh, assessment, but maybe not an incorrect one if we look at it soon. Um, you know, but if Ted Roof stays on, that's, that's also not the end of the world, honestly. Um, so, yeah, there's there's no reason to think that this is the end of OU football forever. Um and we'll be back with more stuff eventually. Um, subscribe to the podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts, on Google, the Google Play Store, on Podbean, on Spotify. Uh, leave us reviews. Um, and we'll talk to you guys later.